Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 112 of the Caesus Show. It's your boy, Sir Caesus, and I'm back, and I'm so excited to deliver another fun-filled episode. And today, we got the return of Traded XXIV. But before I get into today's house topics, obviously, I'd like to take you guys back to memory lane. Last episode, 111, D-Sharp and myself discussed the conference finals previews and, and, you know, what's the next steps for Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers and many more subtopics as well, too. And also, make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at Sir Caesars. Subscribe, rate, comment, share, do what you got to do, spread that love, and I continue, you know, to, you know, work for you guys as well, too. Now, conference finals are over with. We've got the NBA Finals in action this Tuesday at Phoenix. Phoenix versus Bucks. Big three versus big three. So ecstatic. And I'm honestly ready to just get into today's hottest topics. So before we get into today's hottest topics, once again, let's make some noise for my boy, for my co-host, for the return of no other than Trey Day XX IV. What it do, baby. Let's get it. What's good, everybody? You already know what's going on. It's your boy back at it again. Not like Daniel with the all-white vans, but got some all-white ones. You already know what's going on. Some DCs, if you will. If you're from South 5, you understand. You get that. But look, it's your boy, Trey Day. All day. Back once again. Took some time to live my life. Came right back. You already know. It's a, only the family. Only the family type deal, you know? So, um, uh, you know, see well, hold it down, you know what I'm saying? And we'll be right back. Sir Caesars, what's good with you, man? I'm good, man. I'm feeling great. I'm more excited right now. You can see him cheesing. It's been a while since we, you know, we wrapped up a little bit as well, too. So I'm um, excited for you to be on as well, too. Um, I know you've been a little so, busy likewise as well. So, um, you know, I'm ready to I'm, I'm actually before we even start. I know you, you went to a wedding, man. Tell me about that okay. experience, because I've only been to weddings from a, a familia standpoint, like a like a first okay. cousin. So. I never, okay. one of my friends, DJ, you may have met him before. I can't really okay. remember, but he actually just proposed to his longtime girlfriend. So the wedding is going to be next year in the summertime. So it's going to be my first friend wedding that I'm actually going to be attending as well, too. So, so how was the wedding, man? Man, it was dope. It was dope. It was like uh, somebody that grew to be my sister. Um, and I'll, I, I'll give the end of the podcast to actually shout them out. But just as far as the wedding goes, um, Somebody is like my sister, man, and um, you know, she found love with her significant other, and uh, it's just a really beautiful union. They were there to lean on each other. Um, they were there, to, you know, just I kind of saw it kind of organically happen through like the last few years. Cause I've been like, you know, that, since that kind of inception a little bit before them, I've been friends with the girl that grew to be my sister, and she, and she and she and she married her person, and it was like, yo, like just kind of seeing, that, I saw the good, I got Texas when it was bad, I got Texas when it was great, so on and so forth. So really just kind of seeing that union, seeing, you know, the principles uh, that you have to work on to like kind of sustain that. And as we go into it and seeing like when the rubber hits the road, kind of the seeing everything that will transpire. But really my thoughts when I was like kind of seeing there being there was just like, man, like I'm here for a reason, um, you know, because we like, you know, we're family and stuff like that. But it's just like, you know, I'll be there to hold those people down, you know, if they need something, even if they're like, you know, ready to choke each other or, you know, 
having the best of times, you know, where we're there, we were there to witness it. And that's not to get too deep because, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's my relationship, whatever, like that. It was just like that. But we really have like type of family environment. You just there to support them. You know, you know how life comes and sits on and like we're embarking on a chapter of life that is new to us, uh, you know, as we so as we so do. So it's like, yo, like, I just can't wait to be there to support them and whatever kind of happens. Like if I have the means to do so, and I know they're going to support me regardless by being, you know, one union now. Um, so, and, and it's looking at it a little bit differently, you know, conventional marriage per se, how they kind of, marriage was a certain thing for a certain people, you know, and how we're kind of flipping, like our generation is just flipping everything on its head and kind of making it for what it is meant to be, you know, as you would think about it and so on and so forth. But, but I can get more into details a little bit later, but it was just really, really dope, man great venue all that stuff like that so we had a great time i mean that's, that's all that matters and like you said it, it was organic um and you know they went through their trials and tribulations but they're soulmates so yeah. i love oh, yeah. it i respect it you know maybe oh, yeah. one day you know i'll have my soulmate you know so, yeah. i can't wait <laughs> you know, for that one i can't wait <laughs> that's gonna be pretty grand that's gonna be pretty grand man um, but yeah, so we can, we can, uh, move forward, get straight into the topics as well too. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is Miss Rachel Nichols, who has been all over social media this, these past couple of days, more and more is more, it's became more prominent. I'd say yesterday on, on a Sunday on July 4th as well too. So to give you guys a little bit of backstory, um, Rachel Nichols basically kind of, there's been some things in ESPN that's been under the wrap, right? So basically, like, when everything happened last year, so COVID and then just all the injustices that are going on around George Floyd and whatnot as well, too, NBA players, media, all of them decided to go to the bubble, come back in July and whatnot as well, too. So once Rachel kind of uh, got to the bubble, she was kind of informed that her colleague, Maria Taylor, an African-American, would be hosting the 2020 NBA Finals because um, – you know, because she's she's a baller. You know, saying she she's just been on the rise and and she's been she's been doing her thing. Um, but Rachel Nichols called back last because they felt like she felt like ESPN was was feeling pressured um, to basically allow her to cover the finals because of the color of her skin, her being an African American female. Um, so some excerpts from Rachel Nichols. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. Nichols said back this back then, July 2020. It's funny, it's July now again. If you need to give her more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which is, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it. Just find it somewhere else. You're not going to find it from me or take my thing away. Um, so this, this was July 13th of 2020, and she had a basically a – a leaked tape. Um, I don't know if it was from like Microsoft Teams through Zoom. I don't know what platform NBA uses, but it was with um, Adam Mendelson, who is a longtime advisor um, of LeBron James and, and Rich Paul as well, too. So Rich, Rachel Nichols was speaking basically with Mendelson to request an interview with James and his Lakers teammate, Anthony Davis. So basically, whenever she gets an interview with these guys, it just kind of makes sense now. She goes through him to get those um to get those interviews and she also yeah. was seeking advice from him as well too so another excerpt was i just want to i just want them to go somewhere else it's in my contract by the way this job is in my contract and writing nichols said and told mendelson 
um, referring to hosting the coverage uh, during the NBA Finals a few minutes after saying ESPN was feeling the pressure uh, was fe- was falling was feeling pressure about racial diversity as well too. Um, and, and and a lot of employees were outraged because they kind of that kind of just confirmed um, how outwardly supportive white people um, talk differently. Um, to their peers when a black person or a person of color is in the room as well, too. So um, it's not shocking to me um, in general. I mean, I don't really know the individual like that, but I don't know about you, but sometimes you can just feel that weird energy when you're watching something. So I've always felt that weird energy, but I want to just, you know, turn this completely over to you because it's been a while <laughs> since we had a rant from Trader XXIV <laughs> himself. What are your thoughts on all this that has been going down? Let me know what you're thinking. Let's rant more discussion. But uh, <laughs> so 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 um, I tried to break it down into some layers. I was always like thinking about it, um, and I tried to be unobjective, objective. Uh, so here here's my spill on it. Um, let's start here. Let's start one. Um, it's a human emotion, uh, and it's understandable um, when you see somebody. Um, that gets the opportunity that you might usually have all right understood right so hey you know i every day i um what i'm water boy for the lakers you know what i'm saying and every day i get to put their shoes out put their jerseys out and after that i get to maybe get first dibs at the chick-fil-a you know what i'm saying first dibs at chick-fil-a and i take pride in that i get paid 50 million dollars to do that because i'm the lakers water boy i'm rich i'm rich um so bet you know what i'm saying so bet and then somebody comes seawell comes and says hey look um the company says look um seawell uh we're just kind of you know we need to you know kind of switch it up a little bit so instead of you doing that today we're gonna have seawell doing it um you know what i'm saying um i will feel some type of way so understandable human emotion to feel some type of way about that that's an understanding i get it i i I get PC culture, um, but at the same time, whether you're black, white, or whatever like that, somebody tells you, comes up and say, hey, they're going to do your job, or hey, that person's going to start over you, you're going to feel some type of way. You're going to have voice your frustration, okay? Granted, this is a private conversation, so on and so forth. Let's uh, let's continue, okay? So we have the person. We have the human emotion. Um, let's talk about the structure of kind of ESPN, and I'll tailor that. I'll tie that back into some other stuff. Um, artist structure in general of everything that's going on, right? We were so we literally saw a man sit on another man's neck and kill him as he was begging for his life. And pandemics happening, it was a lot of pent up energy. It was so much happening last year, um, and we were trying to get back to entertainment, trying to get back to basketball. Uh, things were going on, so but you couldn't do it the same way. You had to. If you were a company moving forward, that was such a year of revealing. It's like, oh, like we can't, we're not doing the same stuff. Oh, we're not going to take this. Like nobody wants to do the same thing. People are calling people out on their bull stuff, on their bullish. Um, definitely corporations. And if we've seen with Jamil Hill, um, so on and so forth, like ESPN being Disney and, and being as sports become adult and become real, they have it's been tough for them to bridge that. It's been super tough. But then you get into taboo. You have your, hey, 
Trump supporters make America great again. You have, um, again, the Jamil Hill thing where he was saying, what did she tell him? He called, he called the president stupid or something like that. She says, oh, she said Donald Trump is a racist and don't quote me on it, but something along those lines saying, hey, he's a big, he's prejudiced, whatever like that. They didn't like it, got rid of her. Already you're off to a really bad start. So you're coming from fifth place, trying to get the first place ESPN because you're doing the numbers, but people don't want to hear you because you're too PC or because you, you shy away from these actual issues because you just want to play sports or have people shut up and dribble, whatever like that. It's not working. You have to address some of these things. And that's the thing I'll get to in a little bit too. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll keep this quick. Um, but again, you're not in the lead. You're not in the lead at, lead at all. Boom. All right. So uh, we got to switch it up. All right. Hey, Keen, uh, we're getting Maria Taylor to do this for Rachel Nichols. So you put them in a very interesting position. Um, and here's what it, here's where it gets deeper from a personal level. Maria Taylor, uh, there was a clip with Jalen Williams saying, oh, if that's the case, then uh, Maria Taylor deserves a ring or whatever like that. <laughs> or a raise, a raise, a raise, said a raise. And she like shot away from him because she knew, she knew the structure that be. Going back to the structure, um, Maria Taylor is qualified. She's qualified. She can do all these things and more. She does football. Um, there's there's a long list of things Maria Taylor does and does well. You know, so it's not like she's not qualified for this, for this position. It's not like she can't have this position. It's just that when sports um, and maybe in broadcast, as we know, if there's a spot, it's hard to get people to move out the spot. People get old, grow old, and they'll die with those spots because that's they enjoy doing it. Nobody can do it better than them, and they're going to get paid for it. They're going to get compensated well for it. Um, so Rachel Nichols was throwing that pressure. Um, goes back into the, hey, well, I don't mind it. I know this is as good as anything that, hey, um, you know, she's good. I wish her the best, but just not over here. Like, if you want to find her something to do, find her something to do somewhere else. Um, and then that comment, that comment speaks to the structure that will stay on Black women. I don't want to even, I, you don't have to take it further, but that Black women have to fight in a corporate situation, in a promotional situation, it's not saying, hey, this every day is it's tough for me. And it's tougher because they're in that position. But it's saying that, hey, if I wanted to make a move or do something, there's so many factors, so many factors that would work against me from a structural standpoint that it takes a miracle because that's the mindset you have to come back. It's not, hey, are you qualified? which uh, um, uh, um, you say majority, but a, a person that works within the structure um, and in the representation that get hired more quickly. The, all they have to say is, that, am I qualified for it? Bet. I'm surefire going to get a job. For a Black woman, for Maria Taylor, and for other possible minority groups, it's, all right, is it the right timing? Can I, I'm, am I qualified? I'm overqualified. How can I even get more and more and more qualified? Um, who, who can I have to I talk to about this? Who don't I have to piss off? There's so many people that you can have enemies or whatever like that and still get jobs and whatever and, and, and cool. But for Maria Taylor, she can't piss off this person and she's low-key pissed off Rachel Nichols just for being qualified. That's the structure. You know what I'm saying? That's the structure that we're going against. That's the thing that, that is, is grinding bolts. So you have ESPN as a structure that as the last few we haven't seen them handle things pretty well. They're trying to adapt on the fly with a structure and a culture that they weren't ready to change. They're having to change it for monetary reasons. 
He had to go to the bubble. Oh, George Floyd had, oh, man, we got to scramble to get this right. Instead of just being about it and being a good person, you know, stay ready, so you got to get ready. Instead of uplifting people and instead of, um, you know, putting people of different backgrounds in different areas to succeed and so on and so forth, now we're scrambling because of a, a years-long structure and, 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 and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, and, and just systematic kind of things. So you're like, damn, like, where, what am I doing? So you have comments like this uh, that come up. And, and again, rather than even Rachel Nichols, it just speaks to the mindset that people have. So if she has that, and the next person has that, and the next person, the next person, the next person, that maybe, you know, I know I know people can be their own person and stuff like that, but that's a vein. That's a vein. Rachel Nichols is one of the best when it comes to her doing her job. But if somebody that is overly qualified, that does everything, that busts her ass, bends over backwards for that company, does anything they ask her to do, and it's time for her to move up, and that's kind of the stuff that she's combated with, we see it every day, not just in ESPN, but in corporate America, private America, boom, 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 and home buying and all that stuff like that. You have to be so much more, and you have to be nice. You have to try not to piss anybody up to walk on eggshells egg and that's not existing that's really just sustaining that's su- sustaining so you know you don't you can eat you know what i'm saying like if, if rachel nix was pissed off enough she might be able to call somebody and say hey like we gotta get her out of here and then boom she might be out of there as we've seen people seen it happen to people again this is this is not foreign this is just something that now oh you hear how people think just the whole uh, what Donald Sterling thing. It's like, oh, like we're not surprised by that. I'm sure there's a lot of people with sentiments about that, whether it be NFL, uh, NBA, such and such like that. They talk like that behind closed doors um, because again, revealed is not surprising. It's just that please don't illegitimize our voices when we say, hey, Black Lives Matter. When we say this, this down the third matters, and say, hey, we're not being listened to because there's conversations like this that happen when we're not there. And it hurts and it, it affects us. It affects us because we can't get a promotion. We can't do this. We can't do that from from us feeding our family, which is, hey, you be mean to me all day. As long as I can feed my family, I can figure that out. But if I can't feed my family, if I can't continue to strive for greatness and so on and so forth, because these conversations you have, because of this mindset you have, then the structure is broken. And you can't and you can't gaslight me to say, hey, you know, you, you, this is a little bit too radical. You need to stop with that. No. That's what's going on. That's how it is. You just don't want it in your face, and which is why you're trying to put it away. But no, the awareness about this, the discussion about this, and the restructuring, the reformation, and the uh, you know demolition of this broken thing has to come and has to change. And it's changing on the fly, which is why we get comments where we have recordings like this that come out because people are not ready. You know what I'm saying? They gotta keep it going. So that's my that's my take on that. <laughs> mm, mm. Fire, fire. I can't wait to get this played back and, and, and go to various platforms. So I appreciate, I appreciate that as well, too. Is her, is her. We're, gonna see, we're gonna see how things unfold. I know she has her her uh you know her daily show the jump if she's gonna address it or whatnot. Probably not, but we're gonna see what's good. Um next top I, I want to get into 
Stay off the weed. weed uh. So the last time me and you talked about someone staying off the weed uh, was Dion Waiters pre-COVID took the edible on the plane. And then ever since then, I don't really know what happened to men's. But on a serious That's note, not um, <laughs> on a serious note, um, for real, for real. So um, the U.S. track sensation, Shikari, hope I'm pronouncing it right, Richardson, um, who essentially punched their ticket to the Tokyo Games after winning the women's 100-meter race last month, has been suspended for one month after testing positive THC, the chemical in cannabis as well, too. Um, another, another, another thing where I lean on you, lean on you for. So um, when the, this, this basically broke the news because they're saying like with marijuana, it's it doesn't enhance your physical abilities as well too. Like and this, and this is outdated. Like why are we, why are we still testing for this when other people can take? you know, other various forms of drugs and, and, and kind of still get away with it um, as well, too. So what, what are your thoughts on, you know, you know, everything that happened with her and whatnot? Um, first, I've been like, I think from the start, I thought like the Tokyo Olympics, I mean, again, we talk about structures and talking about traditions of just uh, oppression and just kind of like um, discrimination in some ways. The Tokyo Olympics has been kind of flaw, um, simply because uh, I think that headline came out and they were like, you know, there can't be any Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, sayings, there can't be any Black Lives Matter protests, any, anything about that. Like, we don't want any of that here. And if it is, then you got to go. Um, so that was really interesting to see that um, come out on the heels of all this movement. And I started to think about it. And I was like, a lot of these companies and Olympics as a company, you know, you, every four years, but you make enough money to sustain, sustain yourself um, to do it in, in another four years. So it is, you know, big bank in this. There's a lot of countries invested, so on and so forth. There's big bank in the Olympics, um, which is very, uh, I won't say Coliseum, but um, it's very, it's one of those traditions that has just been on a long time. I can't find a word for it right now, but uh, I won't say archaic, but it's one of those things that has been going on for a long time. So again, we see a pattern of history and how it kind of just flows and, and that, that's something we could break down later, but how, how time is, is less linear and more uh, it remixes with everything that, that comes with it. And if you don't change something, then it's forever. But uh, so when they said, hey, no, no Black Lives Matter protests, uh, you know, they're saying that because they don't want the outrage from the people that really don't think Black Lives Matter because they have a bigger stake in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't say anything for the people that are being oppressed, um, discriminated against, so on and so forth. We save people for that that will affect our bottom line. And we need, whether it be middle American, middle whatever, the, the line that they don't want to get affected by things uncomfortable, which there's a lot of, there's a lot of that demographic in the world that say, hey, I want to turn this on. I, I just want to see this. I don't want to know what's going on in my backyard. So they had to put that out there because they, oh, I, I, we don't want that. We, we just, no, come on. Can, can, can we keep playing? Can we just keep rolling? Can we stop, not even talk about that right now? We're playing sports. So, boom. Uh, on to Ms. Richardson. Uh, Ms. Ms. Richardson, um, She's had a tough few weeks. Her biological mother passed away. Not really sure of their relationship, but regardless, 
it's your biological mother. You're 21 years old. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't know what to do if I lost my mother today. And I'm a little bit older. We're a little bit older. You know what I'm saying? That's not a feeling that uh, you can prepare for, for anybody. Losing a loved one, but losing your your mother, it's not a feeling that you can prepare for. Um, And just your relationship aside, you know, you don't know how it affected her. You, You might... She probably maybe wanted a deeper relationship with her mother. She she might have had one and they got estranged and then boom came back or whatever her situation is with growing up. There's always a caveat to that. On top of you're putting all your effort and pre- preparation into preparing for the Olympics. So boom, you're on a ride. Now boom, you're an overnight celebrity. All right. So you have cameras in your face, boom, boom, boom. Um, listening to to I won't even say it, but listening and it was to a podcast and it was a mention of all right so we kind of seen the same ha- same thing happen uh with somebody that was in a limelight somebody that rose to fame with Naomi Ahsoka in the U.S. Open you know uh she was like look my mental health is not really well you guys want me to come out and do these interviews I'm not really feeling it I'm gonna withdraw and they had a freaking field day they had a ball and so I'm gonna do it I'm doing it the best way I know how um now with the Olympics saying, hey, boom, 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 this is a 21-year-old girl, college-age uh, woman. I say woman, 21-year-old woman, she's college-age, all that stuff like that. You just lost your mother. Shoot, at least she didn't turn into, like, turn into, like, prescription pills and all that stuff like that. Like, weed is it's just something, and, and, and you take it in, boom, you do it. All right, cool. Maybe she knew the drug test was coming up. She knew Olympics, cool, whatever like that. But that hurt and that pain is still not going to go away. There's... You know, there's those moments in life where it's like, yo, you're maybe in a position to where you could have the best time, but because something in the back of your mind is nagging, it's just like you don't even want to be there at that place or in that position. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yo, like I'm in college, but she, you just broke up with your girl and you're like, you're hurting. You know what I'm saying? Or this, that, I've been at home or you, you got dropped off in Oakland week, but you know the situation that your mom is going through, your family's going through back in the crib. So that affects mental health. What do you do? A lot of people go say, hey, all right, I'm, I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to go get some drinks. I'm going to register for these classes and I'm going to be faced all week because it's welcome week. And I don't, you know, I know my mom's struggling back home, but I'm here. She put me here. I got to turn to this, turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, turn to cocaine, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, and this girl turns to this woman, this athlete turns to, to marijuana. Um, and there's a deeper conversation to be had about marijuana and about testing for marijuana and the job practices um, in this country, per se, and we can say all over the world, because it is a specific group that you kind of weed out with that. Um, I saw a tweet, I think one of my friends tweeted, like, well, if you test it for cocaine and other stuff, then shit, a good over 50% of the workplace would be out of work. If you went and just tested for cocaine and stuff like that, and it wouldn't be the demographic that you would, you know, that you usually get with marijuana, it would be totally different. You have to get rid of management, CEO, stuff <laughs> like that. So um, it's one of those things where, from a structural standpoint, mar- the, the whole idea of marijuana um, probably needs some looking into. No, no, not probably, definitely some looking into. Um, with her situation, uh, she seems pretty self-aware and that, yo, I did it. All right, cool. You know, if they give me a chance to step back, step back. Cause maybe, well, not maybe, but definitely her energy, her person, her soul is bigger than 
um, this. Maybe she got hooked on prescription meds or, or pain meds or whatever like that, or you know something that just took you, like gave you a little bit of high. Say she wanted to go middle this year, all right. And I think there's rumors that she can come back for the relays. But say she wanted to go hundred medal, but say in three years she overdosed. You know what I'm saying? Where's the success story in that? You know, there's no success story in that because she never actually got the chance to heal. Um, there wasn't an accurate path or a route for a 20-year-old woman, the youngest she can be, um, to right that wrong in that in this space, you know, because she was overwhelmed with celebrities. She was overwhelmed with Santa Third. Um, not to mention that there's other athletes that clearly were smoking weed out in the open, but maybe they did it on an off year or whatever like that. This is this is kind of nuances. Yes, she broke a rule. All right, cool. And she seems like she's cool with that. Um, shout out to Nike for sticking by her because Nike's been in some lately too. So shout out to Nike for sticking by her, um, understanding that. Um, but again, I think this is a setup for even greater, even better comeback rather than you know her winning. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Or like a few years later, um, we we losing her to to something that was senseless. You know what I'm saying? So that's my take on her. So I hope she uh, heals from a mental, whether at physical, spiritual, any holistic heal standpoint. And I hope she uh, can come back and accomplish anything she wants to accomplish, um, even bigger, badder than ever before when she's when she's actually back. Okay. So for sure, appreciate it. Now, moving topics, um, going strictly into basketball now. Uh, so before we get into the finals uh, preview, I want to, you know, just touch upon the conference finals previews from each respective conference itself. So I guess the first one we could talk about is the Suns Clippers series. Um, lived up to the hype, I would have to say. It won six games as well, too. Obviously, there's no Kawhi Leonard, no Zubak, no no Nicholas Batum as well, too. Chris Paul missed the first two games due to, um, you know, COVID protocols and whatnot as well, too. But overall, um, honestly, it was a pretty solid series. Looking back at it, man, um, I'm proud of, you know, everyone from the Clippers standpoint, Coach Ty Lu, um, and I'm proud of CP3, Booker, um, that whole organization from essentially being a team that, you know, had a lottery pick to, you know, in, in, a, in a matter of one year, turn that whole franchise around as well, too. So good series. Um, you know, I thought I was going to go. Well, at first, I, when I was with Daryl, I predicted this, the Suns winning in six just because of the strength of Kawhi not being there. But, um, I mean, if you look back at those first, what, two games, things could have been yeah. slightly different um, if there wasn't, you know, poor officiating um, on both ends as well, too. But I do feel like part of me feels like uh, maybe this is the bias out of me as well, too, that, uh, you know, that the Clippers were kind of effed over um, as well, too, with the with the DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, game winner that he hit as well, too, for example. He was pulling on Zubak's jersey. But obviously, obviously you don't want the game to be determined um, by something like that, of that magnitude, you know, when it's – Point nine seconds left as well too, but he was holding on to his jersey. Or the play before that, they didn't review it when he touched the ball out of bounds as well too. Um, or Chris Paul traveled for them to go up three one as well too. Just a lot of things happened for for them to kind of win as well too. But overall, it was relatively a very very good series as well too. Um, so 
you know, turning things over to you um, and just dissecting things one by one um, as well, too. What does this, you know, historic run um, mean for Chris Paul, you know, the point guard, um, you know, finally being able to get that monkey off the back? It's been 16 long-ass years, and he finally reached the the NBA Finals. Uh, What does this mean for Chris Paul um, and his legacy? Um, I think it solidifies him as one of the greatest guards ever, finally. Um, I mean, just touching the finals. I mean, not even with a ring. I mean, the ring, we just put him, you know, whenever his Hall of Fame is, classes, he'll be definitely first ballot. I mean, he already was, but um, things he does, like, you know, I think a few games ago, he had so many points, uh, so many assists, and no turnovers. Um, it was like range of like 16 or like 20. Like, it was crazy. Like, the way the things he does, the way he can command the game, the way he knows how to win. Um, and you hate him. You hate him watching him sometimes. If you're going against the team or you see someone like the actions he does, you hate him. Like, what is what? But he knows how to work it. He knows how to work the game, work the officials. He knows how to come out on top no matter, you know. And, and that's that's a competitor, you know. You're within the confines of the game, um, I'm going to test everything because the only thing that matters is me winning. Um, so, so Chris Paul is that. And for his legacy standpoint, um, you know, 16 long years, and we always thought, like, hey, like, you know, he probably won't get one, but we still have to regard him as one of the greatest guards. So we, the conversation was always like, hey, you know, can we, we can't really talk about rings in this discussion because we can't keep Chris Paul in this or whatever like that. But now he just adds his name to that pot. So now he is in this discussion with, oh, you know, no, he's one of the greatest, or if not one of the greatest point guard, that's the true point guard of all time, you know, can get it done some scoring, but he can definitely get it done from commanding the team, getting his assists and getting down the line. Um, intangibles that usually wouldn't show up on the stat sheet or maybe in the history book, um, it'll show, it'll solidify and it'll, it'll further the discussion about who's great, who's not, um, what tier do we put this person in, that, that person in, because because all his intangibles now show up on a stat sheet. He was already a stat packer but to begin with. He can get you, shoot 20 and 10 assists, 20 and 15 assists or 15 and 15, you know what I'm saying? Very, very minimal turnovers at that. Um, so it only solidifies how we look at guards now, how we uh, address them, how we, uh, you know, give them time and, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt when it, in some things about, hey, what does this person actually do? Was this person a winner? Was this person that good? But now we know because Chris Paul's name has been there, he brings in and ushers in a whole new generation and a whole new style of kind of goat talk when it comes to guards and point guards. Mm, for sure. Um, so obviously, I think I was I was shocked, but wasn't really too shocked because Devin Booker, um, I know a lot of people have been comparing him to Kobe Bryant as of late as well, too. That was someone he idolized as well, too. But he does carry that swagger um, as far as just his overall energy and his overall work ethic and having that mama mentality. Not not the same. Nowhere near close defensively. He can always get better defensively. But from an offensive standpoint, I can see um, why people would, you know, see, say his game mirrors Kobe Bryant as well, too. But, you know, for someone to go – you know, eight no in the bubble, um, and come back um, as an organization. They, you know, are the second best team in, in the Western Conference. And for Devin Booker, for this to be his first ever playoff run along with Aiton, um, you know, and, and Devin Booker averaged what twenty seven six, and I think five, and then Aiton averaged sixteen and twelve. Um, that just shows you um, their work ethic, their drive, and also 
you know, the effect that Chris Paul has on them as well, too. Um, I think DeAndre is going to be a future um, all-star, probably moving forward now. He's solidified himself as one of the best bigs in the league as well, too. But for Devin Booker, um, has he solidified that he's, quote-unquote, a superstar yet? I know that 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 term kind of gets thrown around a lot, and and there's different criteria on what a superstar is, but – have you think, you know, given the eight and no bubble, given, you know, Devin Booker's track record and, and this year as well, too, in the playoffs, because that's when you really make a name for yourself. Um, do you think Devin Booker is solidified as a superstar right now? Um, I would. I would solidify him as a superstar. Um, it's funny because we was going down the line uh, and we were like, yo, like, name guys that are superstars in the league. And we had to leave them out. I was talking with some of my AU, AU coaches. Um, we had to leave Devin Booker out um, because we were like, there's only about, I think it was a discussion about superstars in the league um, who, and the people that are like really pulling that in. We had to leave Devin Booker out simply because uh, it was already filled. We really had to go like LeBron, we had to go Russell Westbrook. We had, there were just so many slots and we have like, we're going to give 10 to 12 slots to people and we, and we had to leave Devin Booker out, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? So we just went down the line for that. Maybe we could do that one of our segments. Um, and just to see how that changes over time. But uh, it, so that's what happened. But now, as the ties change, as things happen, and it's going to be tough to catch discussions about players that have been great that maybe aren't producing in the same way that are now going to drop off. It's like, oh, no, yeah, he, yes, his name will sell, but is he a superstar uh, coming in with these numbers compared to this guy, right? Because I think we had to, like, add Luca to the list. And we had to take Devin, Devin Booker off. He's like, oh, he's a star, but he's just not a superstar just yet. I think these series, this finals push solidify Devin Booker as a, as a, Devin Booker as a superstar. Great games aside or games when he's ailing with his nose and stuff like that, um, where he would, doesn't shoot very well. Um, they're still finding a way to get it done. Uh, so him, his company, Bench, uh, Payne, um, A.N., Crawford, so on and so forth, help elevate him to that status um but going forward because of his abilities what he can do and because he's reached this far because we all know the playoffs in the nba is a totally different game it's not the regular season nba um he has been elevated to superstar status uh if i do say so myself Mm, for sure for sure and then you know sticking within the confines of these these two teams these two powerhouses that kind of match up with each other as well too um i want to give my flowers to to paul george um Hell of a comeback season, you know. Obviously, we're in the social media era as well, too. So, you know, the boy was getting cooked up in the bubble last year. Um, you know, he he was notorious for calling himself uh, pandemic P, more so with taking on the challenge of guarding the, uh, you know, the best of the best as well, too, while still giving them buckets as well, too. So, obviously, we know about um, his rise to superstardom in Indiana um, and, and, and uh, you know, He's had a little shortcomings as well, too. Um, obviously, last year in the bubble, um, shot under 40% from the field. Um, and they went on in the second round when they were basically essentially supposed to be that team to get to the finals. They were favorites all year to get to the finals the overall LeBron James-led team, which is crazy. Um, and yep. it kind of came up short in seven games against uh, the Denver Nuggets as well, too. So, you know, 
this year, um, being fully healthy, um, you know, in the off season, getting putting that work in, um, having that foundation, having a new coach, uh, you know, getting more games, um, you know, with with Kawhi Leonard as well too. That it really, you know, did him his justice. And I think this is probably his second best season he had, but uh, aside from the the season when he finished top three with MVP when he was on OKC as well too. So. Great, great run. Um, amazing run as well, too, because, like I said, the, there's always a narrative that he kind of underperforms. He doesn't elevate his game when it matters most. And um, he completely flipped that script as well, too. So um, I don't want any more pandemic peace slander um, as well, too. And I, and I want people to give him his flowers as well, too, because he stepped up his shit, uh, you know, he only played 13 games with Kawhi. Um, obviously, we already know with Kawhi. He went down. Um, I think game four, he he uh, had a knee sprain against the the Utah Jazz, and everyone, including myself, thought that it was over. Um, but you know, he stepped up along with some other players, and, and along with the chess being played by Talu as well too. They they everyone stepped up um, and performed in high fashion as well too. So definitely want to give PG his flowers. Averaged 27 points this playoff run. Um, and it also gave you guys 10 rebounds and five assists and shot 44% from the field as well, too. So credit to PG. Um, yeah. And uh, if we learn anything, he is a superstar. Um, and, you know, he is going to be there when the moments matter. And uh, more importantly, uh, I think now, uh, you know, like I said, we can kill that narrative. But now I, I, w- I wouldn't say he can be the necessarily the best player on a championship team but he's definitely a 1B um, on that team as well, too. Um, any thoughts in regards to PG? Uh, I think he sums it up pretty well. Um, it, it takes my mind to, uh, you know, what is Kawhi going to do? I know Kawhi, you know, is closer to home, playing in L.A., whatever like that. That's kind of what he wanted as compared to, you know, playing in Toronto, which a lot of people say, you know, it's away from my family. It's in a different, different country, whatever like that. So I can – Kawhi, I think that's – from like a destination standpoint, he wants to be there, but I don't know. Uh, and we don't really know Kawhi because he, he keeps everything under wraps with stuff like that. But if you had to just start a pot and you said, hey, maybe Kawhi wanted to go, you know, maybe he wants to you know, figure something out. He doesn't really, doesn't really feeling, you know, the Clippers a little bit, like let me find a different organization to play a few more years for, so on and so forth. Um, I think the way PG performed um, and the way probably Ty Lue Kind of, kind of seeing how they came back from the last series. Um, what was it? They were with Dallas, right? So just how Tyler coached and how they kind of did it and kind of being a player's coach and figuring stuff out. I think if I'm Kawhi, I say, all right, PG, it can get it done. Um, and there's a, a, a scenario and this is a situation where if we can keep people that come off the bench and, you know, do what we need them to do, we can definitely compete for championships. So let me not throw this away. I'm in LA. Um, I can't really complain. Uh, you know, I have another superstar with me where we'll be good. And possibly this is attractive to any other people that might maybe want to come and support, help out, or be um, a third option possibly when it comes down to it. And we already have some really good scores. We already have a really good bench. Um, we have a tough team that can't compete. So that's where my mind takes it. I just think uh, PG uh, in this playoffs, helped himself for years to come, you know, helped himself for years to come um, and place the organization in a spot where they don't have to scramble and say, oh, damn, maybe 
he's not ready. Maybe he's not right. It's like, no, he proved himself. I bet now we just got to keep this ball rolling. We have a great coach, as we're about to talk about, in Ty Lu. Um, And that's what it is for PG. Yeah. And, yeah, um, you kind of already started the conversation because last week there's a narrative by Stephen A. Smith out there saying um, Kawhi should look to go elsewhere um, outside the Clippers organization because of a couple things. The low management history, him not always being necessarily available, um, him not galvanizing the troops and being a vocal leader and not being a culture starter as well, too. So they the media just always wants something to talk about as well. Yeah. Um, I think what pissed them off the most was because he wasn't on the bench with his team um, as well, too, when he was in the suite with his family. Kawhi, just a different cat. I mean, me personally, um, I would have probably been with the squad just so they can uh, feel my energy as well, too. But um, some people just have different personalities and some people just move different as well, too. I mean, they said that he still had constant conversation with him. He would go to the locker room at halftime, X, Y, and Z. So he was still active with them as well, too. But like you said, if we've learned anything, um, if if he because he's going to be a free agent, if we learn anything, if this didn't sell you on sounding long term, then I don't know what else, you know, could 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 help that that case as well too. Like you said, they have a great coach who's proven that he's one of the most elite coaches. He's one of the best game by game strategists. Um, yeah. You have a one B in Paul George. You have an owner who's willing to spend as much money as possible to make sure that roster is intact, and you have some solid pieces with you. And and if, if that doesn't help, if that doesn't help the case. That I don't, I don't really know what to say, and I don't really know where he would go right now as well, too. So, um, I personally don't think he's going to go anywhere, um, as well. And I think he's going to sign sign a long term contract as well, too. So, that's one thing. Another thing I want to get into, man. Um, I think if Kawhi won't hurt, like the like, and I'm gonna talk about this a little bit later as well, too, but. <laughs> The Suns, they, 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 the Suns played. I mean, you you have to play who's in front of you, right? The yeah. Suns play the Lakers. LeBron was banged up ankle. AD growing. We already know that situation. Second round, no Jamal Murray as well too. Third round, no Kawhi, no Zubak, no uh, Serge Ibaka as well too. Um, I think if Kawhi played. They, given the fact that Chris Paul missed those two, the first two games with the COVID protocol and how close all those games were, I feel like if Kawhi played, they probably would have swept them motherfuckers. Like, I think uh, they would have swept them or that shit would have at least won five games as well, too. Um, you're just losing someone that's giving you over 30 points, over eight rebounds, over five assists, shooting like, what, 57% from the field as well, too. It is not only your best offensive player, and not only your best playmaker, but also your best defensive player as well, too. So if Beverly was giving Devin Booker that much problems, you know, you can share that duty with him, PG, um, Terrence Mann, and Kawhi. Or if Chris Paul, is Chris Paul going for 40 that night, game six to close it out on Kawhi's watch? Hell no. Um, <laughs> but I think, honestly, like, if 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 his knee didn't, you know, cave out on him as well, too, they would be the ones hoisting that Western Conference Champions Trophy and go to the finals as well, too. So if I'm Kawhi, you know, if you want to do what LeBron does when you just do the two-year deal where you can put, opt out one year and, and try to run it back, definitely try to run that shit back as well, too. So um, it's going to be interesting as well, too. Another thing I want to talk about, there's also for the past couple of years, well, 
not even the past couple of years because I'm just only talking about this person, but throughout LeBron's tenure being an NBA player, there's always been a stigma that LeBron is basically the brains behind the operations. LeBron is actually the coach as well, too, um, because he's been he's had so many different coaches. Obviously, he's a great player, but he's had so many different coaches. Um, and, you know, he's led them to the finals or led them to deep playoff runs or led them to championships as well, too. So I also believed in that stigma as well, too, that Coach Lou wasn't a great coach. But if we learn anything in this playoff series, Coach Lou is a hell of a motherfucking coach. They yeah. made a joke saying that the Clippers were calling Coach Belichick with him basically staying up and not basically getting no sleep and thinking of different adjustments <laughs> and different tactics to kind of uh, combat what the other team was doing as well, too. Um, through through this playoff run, do you think Coach Lou has solidified himself as one of the best coaches in the NBA? Yeah, I think, he, again, like P, uh, so just a different kind of outcome. I think he has earned himself positions and monies for a year to come if he, if he wants it. Um, and, you know, we always think about him with Iverson stepping over him. He was a point guard in the National Basketball Association. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has knowledge of the game. Um, he has a flair to it. He can command a team, so on and so forth. He played for the Lakers, right? Is that, that's, the, that's the photo? He stepped up, he's on the Lakers. Um, <laughs> yeah. this, this is a guy that uh, he's been around the league, bro. He can, he can get it done. He's played with the best of them. You know, we just always see that because it's our kind of photo. Alan Iverson changed the culture and the league. Um, but Talu, uh, you know, you better respect it. You better respect it. Um, you know, his face sometimes. Like, just, just there's always something to joke about with the internet. He's always kind of like has that <laughs> blank stare, all that stuff like that. He's always like mouth open or whatever like that. But, bro, this dude has team competing for championships, coming back from, what, 3-1 deficits, uh, you know, so on and so forth like he he's done it um and as much as credit i would get i would give to lebron as being maybe an organizer and maybe having his hand in a pot with a lot of teams i think it does take a big coach to facilitate that and to keep that balance and we know tyler lewis a quote-unquote players coach you're coaching the best player in the world who wants some of the other greatest players with him or you know wants the team that he knows can help win him a championship with him that is the best team available. So you got to go out, you have to coach those guys, you have to figure it out. You have to um, make meetings. You have to try not to piss people off. It's politics involved in that. And yes, LeBron is amazing on what he does and how he affects teams and organizations and so on and so forth because he seems like he has a formula when he does it. But to play basketball and to do that, that takes a hell of a freaking person. It takes a hell of a person. Because just to coach and to you know, coach X's and O's and to get everything together. That takes a lot. We see college uh, college coaches all, all the time. Like, oh, man, you know, this is me recruiting. This is me with practice. This is me with that, this down the third, which is why we're also seeing some of the uh, longer tenure college coaches um, kind of retiring now because it's a lot more. We're talking about NILs now. We're talking about recruitment. We're talking about people management. We're talking about the transfer portal. We're talking about money. You know what I'm saying? Like, so take that, but also take that into the NBA realm of stuff. Bro, it is a totally different monster. So shout out to Ty Lue for, you know, uh, being under that fire and being in that position where it was like, oh, you know, maybe he's not a great coach because we all had doubts for a second. But now answering the call and saying, yo, like, no, nah, I really do this. I really does this. You know, shout out to LeBron, but I really does this. I can make adjustments on the fly. Um, 
we've uh, we, we've been upset about another prominent black coach about saying he doesn't make adjustments because he's instead of coming back from three one deficit, he falls three one deficit. We won't even go into that right now. But uh, this was the time for Ty Lue to, to again earn his money. Um, remind us who who he is, and he he did it. So shout out to uh, Coach Lou. You know what I'm saying? Sure, for sure. And I want to give one more shout out before we get into the recap of Hogs Bucks. Mr. June, Reggie motherfucking Jackson, bro. Probably had different. one of the best as a, as a third option, probably had one of the best playoff runs that I can remember uh, right that now as well, too. There was also a narrative behind him. Like, he's not a quote-unquote point guard. He's kind of a bonehead X, Y, and Z. There's a lot of shit that just went on with him as well, too. So yeah. for Kawada you know, go down and, and they, they, then them and for PG to, you know, kind of not, you know, PG couldn't do it by himself. It was all by committee, but the main two people I'd have to say, number one, PG, well, obviously number one, the coach, number two, PG, number three, Reggie Jackson as well too. So, um, you know, he had a great run, averaged 18 points, uh, three assists, three rebounds, um, shot over forty percent from three and then um, 48% from the field as well too. And, and more was a bad man. He was clutch whenever the Clippers were, you know, down. Um, he helped spark that, or whenever they were about to blow their lead in, within a game, he would be that guy that just neutralizes everything as well, too, and just shift that momentum as well, too. So I don't know if he's going to stay with the Clippers. I would love for him to stay as a starting point guard um, to play along with Kawhi and PG and the, and the other cats as well, too. But I also am a in person, if you got to go get your bag, go get your motherfucking bag, yeah. bro. Go get your bag. So I just want to pay him some homage as well, too. To the Knicks. Moving no, on. <laughs> I mean, he could. He could. Nah, it's not. I'm saying everybody's going to my head this summer, but I doubt it. Nah. I, they, they have a decent core. You know what I'm saying? They just need some more scoring. The defense is there, yeah. uh, but they need some scoring. Reggie can score, as we've seen, but you score, I don't know. Reggie can score. Uh, so moving on. And, and, and sticking to the Hawks and, and the and the Bucks recap, damn, it literally felt like a gauntlet match, bro. Just survival mm-hmm. of the fittest, right? Both superstars going down. You got Giannis, who had a nasty ass injury, what what it seemed like, had a hyperextended knee, and then you had Trey Young. Um, normally, you say it's like the basketball guys working around, but I think Adam Silver got his phone and he was just like do 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 for the game. Hey ref, I want you to basically stand in the area of where Trey Young is and knock him out because we don't want to see from a rating standpoint, the Hawks in the finals as well too. So Trey Young suffered a bone bruise. Um, he was able to come back game six, but um, at the end of the day, if you place the top tier talent uh, of the, of the Bucks in the big two um, with, with Drew Holiday and the Middleton, and then you have Trey Young, who's pretty much banged up with that core, you kind of see the shift of power as well too. So, Credit to Coach Bud, credit to, you know, the Bucks organization, credit to the big three, um, you know, getting in. And also credit to Nate McMillan, um, you know, who served as, I believe, the the interim coach as well, too. So hopefully he's in yeah. the long-term future uh, for the Hawks as well, too. Um, he has a I don't know who's still interim. Did they just – they fired him this season, the other coach this season? Uh, I think so. Um, I thought Nate McMillan was just full-on this season. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they have him as full on because a lot of a lot of people, even like with the TNT crew, they were saying like, "What do we do moving forward with Nate McMillan?" So I don't think he. I think he actually was the head coach, but I think he's gonna right. have like 
he's going to be like the free agent of coaches. So they're going to have to decide, are we going to throw him the bag? Or is he going to be in the long-term um, haul and whatnot as well too? But Hawks, um, to me, they overachieved. But at the same time, you got to play who's in front of you as well too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they took oh, yeah. down the revitalized Knicks. Um, they won seven games with Philadelphia 76ers, which we'll talk about for another day. And, um, you know, they won six games and had Trey Young been healthy. We don't know how things would have panned out as well, too. Um, yeah. So they have from the top down, um, from management to the coaching staff to the players, they just done a, well, a very, a very, a very good job at just, you know, executing in general. So um, for them to take notice that Trey Young is on the rise and to to build around him as soon as possible, you have other organizations who basically just put bullshit around your superstar player um, is, is good. And they have a lot of young talent as well, too. So uh, it can only literally get better from here on out as well, too. Um, and uh, like I said, I'm happy for I'm happy for the Bucks. But what was your thought on, you know, the entirety of the series as well, too? And then and then while you're talking about, you know, the recap with that. Pardon me, ladies and gentlemen, my my my, my laptop is, is dying, so I'm gonna go grab my charger real quick. But tell me, tell me about your thoughts on the Hawks Bucks recap. Okay, I'll write while you're going to do that. Um, so pretty much with the Hawks Bucks recap, um, I think it was an amazing series. So we like we just saw some fireworks very, very, very early. And we thought the whole series was kind of gonna be like that. We saw Trey uh doing some wild stuff like uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was like throwing the lob of the backboard to John Collins. Um, and it was like, it was just ridiculous. And we're like, all right, you know, we thought this was going to be the series where for sure the Hawks were going to get stopped in their tracks. It was going to be no chance for them, so on and so forth. And we kind of got robbed by those, uh, by just the um, what it could have been, you know, had both of the superstars been healthy the whole series. Because I think it could have been a, a game seven scenario. Cause we saw we saw flashes of like yo like Trey Young can't be guarded almost um, and it just really took you know they Milwaukee like got a game I think early to where it's like oh but not early but they got a game and it, it was what it was game four or five that game they got it was kind of like telling it was like ooh you know this is kind of not gonna go to Hawks way on top of Trey Young eventually or whenever this happened, kind of getting injured. I was like, damn. But with Trey Young on the floor, it's almost like anything can happen because three-pointers and one-pointers are two totally different things. <laughs> you know, I'm not one-pointers, <laughs> but two-pointers. Two-pointers and two-pointers are two totally different things. Definitely somebody can pull it up and get a shot off within the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. You're taking your time, swinging around, getting into, boom, come back down. Three-pointer, shoot. It's a freaking – in one minute – the team scored a nine point and maybe you have a 10 point lead, but you scored two or, or, or four points. You know what I'm saying? That's the pace of basketball they were playing uh, with other guys uh, like, like, what is they calling? Kayvon, like Kevin Kidd. Uh, and then you have other studs, uh, Lou Williams and so on and so forth on, on the Hawks. So I think we were kind of robbed by injuries of this series that could have been kind of a little bit longer. But uh, I think the Bucks ultimately edging them out is kind of what we thought were going to happen anyway. It would have been an interesting uh, uh, Suns and, and Atlanta kind of playoffs. I think those, those locations would have been like crazy, you know, seeing, seeing Atlanta for the finals. You know what? Like, you know, like that's a different, that's a different podcast entirely. The finals <laughs> in Atlanta 2021, everything just opened back up. Atlanta been open, but all the celebrities are here now. 
I'm sure it would have been, it probably would have been like, you know, it's, that's Black Hollywood. So we would have seen some stuff, you know, we would have seen who was down there, not just Amigos down there. We seen everybody in Atlanta just down there. Um, and then Phoenix, which is not a bad destination either, you know, so hey, we in Phoenix with it tonight, you know, it would have been a really interesting final. But now I, I was listening to a podcast and it's like, yo, we, Milwaukee, I'm not going to Milwaukee. Yet. No, I hope the Suns win. Like, I hope the Suns win so I can go between Phoenix and Atlanta and I can be out there getting loose. <laughs> it's like, yo, nobody's going to visit Milwaukee. <laughs> um, on God. So, God. so that's, that's what he's talking about. So, um, but I was like, yeah. But as far as basketball team, maybe uh, with the work that's been put in, the defensive efforts, and uh, just the per capita, like we're about to go into, um, who was on the team and who can produce, uh, whether it be Middleton, Holiday, um, and, and down the line, uh, um I think the Bucks, the better team, probably won this one. Um, but like we talked about, Nick McMillan, hopefully coming back, getting the bag he he deserves. Um, Trey Young coming back healthy um, and, and down the line with maybe some improvements the Hawks can make or just solidifying that group. We're, we don't know. We don't know. It's a scary league, man. They, and they did it from that position they were in, which was like, what, fifth? They're fifth seed, five seed? Fifth seed. Knicks were the fourth seed. Knicks had home court advantage. Yeah, yeah. They did that from a fifth seed. And they made, they made not quick work of the Knicks, but – they made it look pretty effortless as they got rid of them only because the Knicks didn't have as much scoring and they had some guys that were just first touching the playoffs. So it was like, you know, they were trying to figure it out. Meanwhile, you know, they looked pretty poised this whole playoff run. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, and maybe some shake up and shake ups in Philly or a different kind of strategy in Philly. Um, don't even get them past the second round. We don't know. We could, you know, if somebody shoots, who knows? But I think the Bucks edging this one out is good. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I'll, I'll spend like a, a minute on that after this. Is What's up? Is more important okay. on the dock, but man, there's just if we it's it's a little weird. Like just seeing obviously there's a lot of injuries um, to take into effect as well too. But like just seeing these young motherfuckers just ball out now, we're seeing that slow shift of the old has slowly transitioned out and the young kids kind of going on a rise as well too. Like I said, we saw Luca, we saw Trey Young. Um, we saw, uh, we seen Devin Booker right now as well too. Jokic, all these young cats are literally just stepping their game up as well too. And in, in a couple of years, you know, the KDs, the Kawhis, the LeBrons, the CP3 the world as well too. They're going to be transitioning out. So the league is in good hands as well too. Um, two and a half years, max. Two and a half years max is what we're talking about. LeBron, bro, bro. Uh, but yeah, like you said, the Hawks, man, they have a lot of good young talent. Um, you know, they just signed Bogdan, who's still 28. They traded for Clint Capella, um, I believe, last season. He's 27. Great center for what it's worth with what he has to do, being a rim protector, um, being, um, you know, a lob threat as well, too, and a good interior defender as well. Um, John Collins about to be a free agent. I hear he wants to max. He's 23 years old. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Maybe they can get a sign and trade as well, too. Um, then down the line, you know, you sign Gallinari, who's a good vet. But other than that, you know, you got Kevin Porter, um, who shocked me this year. Uh, the redhead white dude, 6'7", played great. DeAndre Hunter obviously had the knee problem. He played a little bit for Knicks. He didn't even get to play against Philly. And who knows what he, what he would have done um, if he would have go up against the Bucks as well, too. And Cam Reddish, who I didn't like play. as well, too. He 
he gets kind of got tossed into the fire as well too. So okay. for him to handle that and 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 go out in good fashion, um, the future is looking bright. You know what I'm saying with the with the core pieces. Uh, with the I Atlanta think Cam's gonna be well a beast. Too. I think so too. My I was I was I always said with him when I even saw him in Duke as well too. Obviously, yeah, Zion, he had RJ Barrett, who the number one and number two, but it felt like he never really had his his fitting um, on that yeah. team as well too. But from a skill standpoint, I said like. I don't like to compare. I mean, it's, it's natural to compare players, but I can see him be, a, in the grand scheme of things, like a Paul George type of player um, when it's all said and done as far as, like, his frame um, and what his skill set can become as well, too, and, and, and whatnot. So I think he's going to be great. Um, it's just going to come down to him if, if he really wants it. If he wants yeah. it, then he, then that should be a nasty-ass backcourt moving forward in the future as well, too. Um right. Before we get into the finals, you know, as well, too, Warren kind of brought this up as well. Um, apparently, there was a trade that went on for Ben Simmons. Um, so basically, with the trade, it was uh, the Sixers turned down Pacers trade offer for Ben Simmons. So basically, the 76ers, I mean, the 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 uh, Indiana Pacers proposed a first round pick of this year's draft, which would be the number 13 pick with Malcolm Brogdon for Ben Simmons. And they declined that as well, too. Um, it's just kind of crazy how. How Ben Simmons, his uh, what's that word I'm looking for? His um, his what's stock. that word I'm looking for? His stock, yeah, his stock just kind of yeah. plummeted, um, in general as well too. Because if you take us, if you take aside the shooting, he's probably if not the best defender, the best defender. guard yeah. one through five, is yeah. a freight train in transition as well too. Um, a good distributor, high IQ, great distributor. He literally does it all, but at the end of the day, and what I've learned, um, people always kind of talked about it, but from what I've learned watching so many playoff games this year, you need a guy who can basically score at all three levels, from the three-point line, in the mid-range, in the post as well, too. For him to or at least be, draw the defense out of the paint. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for him to not do that, or at least, you know, be able to shoot a free throw, um, you got to kind of move on from that. So um, I don't know where he's going to go, uh, but I was just I just kind of thought that was a low blow as well, too. Like, if you're going to propose a trade like that, motherfucker, you better give me uh, Levert as well, too, to go with that first-round pick and Malcolm Brogdon as well, too. I'm not just going to take – no disrespect to Malcolm Brogdon. He's a, he's a pretty damn good point guard, but I don't think he really gets to 76 over the hump as well, too. So we're going to continue to monitor – um, that situation, because from what Rich Paul said, right when the Philadelphia 76ers got um, eliminated, they're definitely working on trades right now as well, too. So hopefully he can go to an environment, um, you know, that best suits him as well, too. And I was making a little joke as well, um, being that by default, since we're from the DMV area, we look at the Wizards as well, too. I was like, yo, win-win situation. Let me get Russ. Let me get Bill. Bill, say you want out and you only want to go to the 76ers. And trade him and Tobias, trade Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, uh, for straight up for Russell Westbrook and for Bradley Beal. Their salaries match up as well too. You you still keep that that veteran presence and you stay in win now with 76ers. And then you have a, a veteran leader to go along with Ben Simmons and kind of rebuild that franchise with the Wizards right there. I think that's a good trade in my head. I think that will be fire, and I think the 76ers will be much more formidable as well too. Um, but that's just me playing a hypothetical. I like it. Uh, I like it. Too. That's that's kind of fire, right? It, in my head, I was like, 
they would probably get rid of Russ first because he's a little bit older than Bill. How you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, yeah, at that point, go ahead, Russ, Bill, give me a pick, and then let's build from there with some youth, and we just you know get hopefully a whole new. I keep saying you gotta get rid of management and coaching, but <laughs> but um, whole new. So wait, they agreed to part ways. Do the Wizards have a new coach yet already? They don't have a new coach yet, but they did agree to part ways, or if you want to say fire, um, Scott Brooks, yep. If so, I was them, I'd try to go get Nate McMillan and try to give him the bag. Ooh, yeah, I would definitely give him the bag as well, too. But yeah, I mean, we're gonna see what we're gonna see what happens. Yeah. Now, the moment everyone's been waiting for the NBA finals preview, uh, which is either gonna be really good or gonna be nasty. Because when I say nasty, Western Conference got all the skilled motherfuckers. In the Eastern Conference, it just be sloppy basketball sometimes as well, too. Um, not to mention that, you know, things are kind of up in the air, uh, you know, as far as injuries go as well, too. So both teams, um, you know, managed to claw their way, like I said, to the conference finals as well, too. There's just been so many motherfucking injuries that have just been going on as well, too. So I made a little list of key injuries. Anthony Davis for the Lakers, LeBron James' ankle for the Lakers, Jamal Murray, ACF for the Nuggets, Kyrie Irving, ankle, James Harden, hamstring, Giannis Antetokounmpo, hyperextended knee, DiVincenzo, I think his calf slash Achilles, Danny Green, his calf, Trey Young, bone bruise, CB3, two games because of COVID, and his shoulder in the first round versus the Lakers, Donovan Mitchell, ankle, Mike Conley, hamstring, Serge Ibaka, back, Zubak, knee, Kawhi Leonard, knee. Jalen Brown, knee. Kemba Walker, knee. So just so many injuries that kind of just came about as well, too. And it's actually pretty sickening as well, too. But like I said, you got to play who you got to play. Um, obviously, both teams benefited benefited off of them being relatively healthy as well, too. Um, hopefully, Giannis can play because I think this is going to uh, – if he plays, it's going to be a great series. Um, and if he doesn't play – for the first couple of games, we saw from the last series that Chris Middleton and um, and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you know, based on with the talent that they have, they can at least make it competitive as well, too. Um, so hopefully they can sneak one on the road as well, too. So these teams, obviously, regular season kind of gets thrown out the door, but you can kind of pull from how to execute um, from a defensive and an offensive standpoint moving forward as well, too. So obviously they're in different conferences, but they played each other. Two times in the regular season, obviously Giannis played, uh, but the Bucks um, ended up getting uh, the season sweep. Uh, I'm sorry, the Phoenix Suns ended up getting the season sweep as well, too. So they first played on February 10th. Uh, this was before P.J. Tucker was acquired. They won 125-124 in a nail-biter. And then April 19th, they played another one-point game in overtime as well, too, 128-127. Uh, Giannis damn near averaged – 40 points. He scored 47 points one game and 33 points one game. And Devin Booker averaged around 26 points as well, too. So um, it's a big three versus big three. CP3, who's the point guard, mixed with the young mom on the rise and, and uh, you know, Devin Booker. And then you also have DeAndre Ayton, who's been a force on both ends of the floor, going up against Giannis, going up against Middleton, going up against Drew Holiday as well, too. So it's going to be a dog fight. Um, you know, I like it as well, too, because there's so many ways that you can attack it from as well. So oh, yeah. I think one of the biggest things that we're going to have to kind of key in on is health, first and foremost. If Giannis is healthy, then the series is going to pan out differently. If he can't play, then obviously, like I said, it's going to be a little different as well, too. So whoever's the most healthiest, I think it's going to be great. 
But I'm curious to see the X and the O's from Coach Bud versus Coach Monty Williams as well, too. What adjustments are they going to make defensively as well? Um, and who's going to have, uh, you know, which role players are going to step up as well, too? Because the role players for the Suns have been relatively well, um, you know, with Cam Johnson, Brooke Lopez bringing back the founding youth from back in the day, he used to average 20 for a couple of seasons. He, you know, he's been playing great. Um, so I'm interested to see the battle bigs with Brooke Lopez versus DeAndre Ayton. Brooke Lopez, like I said, he's a veteran. He's someone who is one of the best rim protectors, and he's going to be someone who can basically keep DeAndre Ayton away from the basket at times as well, too, because he's such a sniper from three. Um, and also, you just overall have size with the Bucks as well, too. I mean, I think the average size for them starting lineup is, what, six, 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 seven, as well, too, going up against the Suns as well, too. So that's going to be, that's going to be interesting as well, too. You got a dog in Drew Holiday who is one of the best two-way players. Um, whenever you hear interviews, people always say he's probably the most underrated player as well, too. You know, Bev had the responsibility of guarding Devin Booker. So now I'm thinking, like, Chris Paul, um, you weren't the best, but Drew Holiday going to be the one that's probably going probably gonna to be your primary defender while you're going to have Middleton and a little bit of P.J. Tucker um, and other players kind of having a combined effort to kind of contain Devin Booker as well, too, along with Giannis there. So um, it's going to be pretty interesting. But, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on this finals? And then also as well, too, I didn't really realize it until now. I just had an epiphany. Both of these teams are small market teams. So yeah. that just speaks volumes to management from the top down on if you put the right people um, in the right position, then your team can be successful moving forward as well, too. So I didn't even realize this is probably going to be one of the first times in a while where it's a non-small market team. Um, both both teams from respective conferences are non-small market teams kind of competing uh, for a championship as well, too. You have the Bucks, yeah. who I think haven't won since the 70s, and then you have the Suns, who they haven't been to the finals since the 90s as well, too. So I think it's good for not only small markets, uh, but it's just good for, you know, it's good to see something new as well, too. But from an X and O standpoint, man, uh, you know, what are, what are the keys to, you know, both teams winning? Um, and then I guess after you're done, um, you know, discussing, you know, your take on everything, who do you have winning the series and why? Okay. Um, I think it's going to come down to X's and O's. Um, a lot. Uh, I think just going to be some injuries that do affect it. I don't think Giannis is a hundred percent, um, or will be a hundred percent. I mean, knee hyperextension and his knee's yeah, probably how, bigger how than is, both how of us. Knee hyperextensions. Do you, do you think there's a chance he's actually going to come back at the series? I feel like he won't. He I think he'll come back not at full strength. Not at full strength. But you think he's going to come yeah. back by like what? Yeah, game two, game three, home game. Game two or game three. Game two or game three. Yeah. I think game two is game three. Um, I think um, defensive matchups uh, are going to be big. Uh, the Suns got to contain, but we also know the Suns that they'll maybe go into a zone sometimes and try to contain people. Um, I think we'll see more man principles uh, if Giannis is not on the court, but they probably have taken a little bit from that Miami Heat zone. We're probably watching a lot of film on Miami Heat last year. Yeah, it's probably just every day, like, hey, Miami, like, this is how they did it. Boom, boom, boom. Um, they already have a team that kind of plays like them with distributing the ball. They have, uh, you know, a score that's relentless. Um, they have a point guard that's relentless, too. Um, I think they have might a little bit more firepower than the Heat last year um, when it came to that. So, you know, moving around a little bit of a healthier team than maybe they did when the uh, drives went down. 
um, you know, it's told, kind of told it took on uh, Jimmy and the Butler. So it's going to be a lot of relation to that and how, how can we get this team out the way. Um, and then you start getting to your guys that aren't your superstars, you know what I'm saying, or maybe they don't have that – they're not the front page kind of person on it. So, you know, again, your Pat, uh, Cunnington, um, your P.J. Tucker, who, you know, defensively – I think uh, the Bucks really – can possibly shut this team down. Again, their length um, going forward. But the efficiency of the Suns and their calling card, again, has been defense. We're just going to – it's going to be one of those things where it, it might be a night where you don't know who's going to pull it out. You know, the Suns are shooting well. The bench is playing well. It can be a heavy task for them. Um, and Giannis is not playing. I mean, it could be a heavy task for the Bucks. and Giannis is not playing. Or we see, you know, the Bucks for Giannis or the Bucks without Giannis, but just playing well. Chris Middleton, uh, Drew Holiday. Um, and so on and so forth, it, you know, it, it can sway either way. So it's going to be about adjustments from quarter to quarter, adjustments from uh, first half to second half, adjustments from game to game, seeing the looks. So right now, the first game is always the chess match. You kind of just don't want to sit out there see what happens, <laughs> see if the scout report is real. Um, and then the, the second, you know, the first, next, what, three games after that are really the, the real meat and potatoes of the series. Um barring there's no injuries or anything like that so i'm really excited about this um if i have to get a prediction um to what you're asking for um i'm gonna say Giannis doesn't play the first two games um they might split them or in the perfect world for the suns they get them get them out the way um comes back um and we might get one or two games there but i think they fight it out i'm gonna be bold and say the Suns and six. Mm. That's crazy uh, because I'm literally going back and forth, kind of trying to think uh, who I want to go, who I want to go with. I'll say if one thing's been constant is health prevails. So just like you, because there's still a little bit of uncertainty with Giannis and the hyperextended knee, I don't know how severe it is as well too, but that's something to definitely keep in mind. Um, and then just the run that the Suns have been able to go on. Um, and I feel like Chris Paul just at that moment. I've wait, I've been waiting for 16 years, motherfucker. Like, ain't nobody gonna say shit about me. I'm about to go out yeah. and, and handle my fucking business. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the Suns winning six as well too. Um, I think Coach Monty is gonna come up with a game plan, um, and I think he's gonna be able to execute over Coach Bud. Um, and I think Chris Paul is gonna be able to control the, the pace of the game as well too. Um, and and I think. The role players like I said, like uh, like a Cam Johnson, um, like a Mikael Bridges, a Dario Staric, um, and who's the other one? Cam, uh, who's the other guy? Um, Joe, Jay Crowder. I think they're going to yeah, actually step up as well too. Um, Who's been playing crazy? Yeah, I think they're going to step up as well too. Um, and with Drew and, and with Middleton, they 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 played well when it mattered, right? But obviously it was the Hawks team, uh, who are also defensive mind as well too. But I just feel like I think I, I have more faith in Chris Paul, Aiton, and Booker relatively playing the same throughout a seven-game series as opposed to a Middleton and opposed to Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday knows now that he has to be more aggressive, which I think he's going to continue to be more aggressive. But I think Middleton is kind of like that wild card where we don't necessarily know what we're going to get out of him as well, too. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah. But I really am excited about – I was excited about the PJ Tucker versus KD matchup. I'm ready to see PJ Tucker versus um, Devin Booker because if Beverly can give you problems like that, 
then we're gonna see what's gonna happen as well too. And, yeah, PJ's a dog. PJ's a dog, and both from both sides, both of them haven't really. No one's really been to the finals like that. I'm trying to. I'm kind of trying to think. Aside from Jay Crowder, no one's been to the finals as well too. So. I'm sure we're going to see some nerves uh, the first game as well, too. Uh, like you said, the first game going to kind of be a feel for. Uh, but for me, I'm not going to necessarily say that's when it, when it begins. It's only going to begin if the road team steals that game. If the Bucs okay. somehow okay. Find, find a way to manage to split that, then I think Giannis will go, was going to come back game three. Now, if the gotcha. Bucs lose that first game, I think they're going to have a sense of urgency and be like, all right, Giannis – can you play? Go. Yeah. We need it right yeah. now as well, too. If Giannis can be at least, I don't, I don't know what I don't know how the knee injury is going to work because with him, he he's downhill. Downhill, so I don't know how yeah. the knee is going to affect him. If he is ninety percent of what he is, and there's no matchup for him, because Aiton's going to have to decide: Am I going to try to take on this responsibility of guarding Giannis, or am I going to try to guard Lopez? Because if you try to, if you go, if you go with Giannis route. Lopez still can get it, can can get that shit done inside out as well too, mm-hmm. um, in the post. So it's just gonna be a lot of different, like you said, uh, different X's and O's are gonna have to kind of be executed. But like I said, the biggest wild card is probably Giannis not being fully healthy, and with his style of play, I don't know if if if, if that's gonna work. Um, with with it, I think the philosophy. Injury. I think philosophy. If I had anything to do with it, would be. All right, if he's back, whether he's not back or not, let Giannis get his points. Cool. We're going to guard Lopez, definitely. Um, and we're going to contain Middleton if we can. You know what I'm saying? Giannis can do whatever he needs to do. He can have 50, whatever like that. But we're going to try to contain Middleton, who is maybe their best closer from an yeah. overall standpoint. And we're going to make sure Lopez doesn't hurt us too, too bad. Giannis, you know, healthy, not healthy, whatever like that. You know, if we have to adjust it because he's just going to – he's going to be a surefire way to beat us. Coming down the stretch, maybe in the fourth quarter, we'll change it up defensively. But he can have 40. He can have 40 a game. But Lopez is not going to get loose on us. And Chris Middleton cannot get hot to where he can cook us coming down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things I want to bring up as well, too. Um, we're in a narrative-driven, you know, uh, league. But whose legacy – you think is is on the line the most is it is it Chris Paul because of year 16 um and he's you know he's he's on the downward slope right you know like I said earlier all these players that we grew up watching are slowly exiting the NBA and these young guys are kind of paving the way and kind of moving forward moving on up or is it Giannis who is probably the only player that I can think of who hasn't has a ring who hasn't who who doesn't have a ring yet that's been a two-time MVP and defensive player of the year as well, too. And there's always been a narrative behind him that if you can't kind of quote-unquote score on all three levels, you can't be the, necessarily the best player on a championship team. And he's kind of, you know, proving that you you can write new rules. You can you can essentially potentially win a championship that way as well, too. So who, who do you put – who you put most of the pressure on? Uh, I'll put on CP3. Um, had a, he's had a career long. We've, had, we've seen his shortcomings. Um, in the conference finals and all different situations and scenarios. We've seen things happen to him even before that that would maybe set him up to be in a conference championship final with Kobe Bryant and so on and so forth that just didn't pan out because of whatever powers to be. Um, so I think this is a harder hit, hardest thing for him. And uh, if you got start talking about narratives and, you know, <laughs> you know, their eyes of that, um, it's going to be a lot 
better, a lot more, a lot, I would go say a lot more well, but whatever, gooder, <laughs> but uh, it's going to pay a lot better to see him hoisting the trophy up at the end of the series than maybe a young Giannis who could probably be in the run to get it next year. We're going to stay on a small market tip or, you know, uh, I just think, I think Giannis might be two or three years away from his first championship. I think Chris Paul probably gets it this time. If we, if we had to talk about the narrative solely, the narrative speaks. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, cool. And then my last thing for you before we end things uh, for episode one twelve. And so, going on both sides, um, who do you think? Obviously, if the respected team wins, who's most likely to get Finals MVP uh, from the Suns? Who's most likely to get the Finals MVP uh, from the Bucks? Uh, Chris Paul and. With injuries in mind, Middleton. No injuries. That's so uh, nasty. That's so yeah. nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, there's so much uncertainty with Giannis that I really don't know. Um, I thought you were going to say Giannis because my answer is going to be Middleton of all people. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, they kind of go as Middleton goes as well, too. Because, like you said, uh, you already know what you're going to get out of Giannis. You know, from a consistent standpoint, you know you're going to get out of Giannis. You know you're going to get out of Drew Holiday. Uh, but the wild card is Middleton. And normally when Middleton cooks, they are damn near an unbeatable team. So because of the injuries, I'm going to go Middleton. Um, okay. And I think they're just going to throw a lot of bodies at Devin Booker and kind of wear him out, even though I think the game plan should be to try to take the ball out of Chris Paul hands as much as possible. Uh, but like you said, the basketball guys have set this shit up for Chris Paul um, as well, too. Um, yeah. It's going to be kind of like one of those things where we know Devin Booker is on his way to whether you want to call him a superstar or not, that's up. That's completely up to you. But it's going to kind of be like one of those things when Kobe won his first couple championships, Shaq was the the guy that won those finals MVP. So I can see where it's like Chris Paul. Now it's like, all right, let me give you the keys. And we see Devin mm-hmm. Booker moving forward. But we could completely be wrong. Drew Holiday could just have his hands, you know, Chris yeah. Paul could have his hands full with Drew Holiday, so I don't know. But if I had to choose, I agree with you. From the Eastern Conference, from the Bucks, I got Chris Middleton. And from the Western Conference with the Suns, I got the point guy CP3 as well, too. Um, any, any last any last closing remarks for episode 112? Um, shout out to the homies, the family. Um, shout out to Marie and Chad. Uh, just got married. Um, and again, real, real love, uh, real, just, just seeing it organically kind of happen. Um, so I have to give a shout out to them. You know, they brought a lot of people together, um, and they did so much for so many people. Um, so we just want to show them love right here, right now. And to see, again, the construct of, uh, wedding and, and love is what you make it. Uh, who, who you love, how you love, whatever like that. Who cares? Just do it. And if anybody has to say about it, definitely, uh, from a, a corporate or uh you know kind of a you can only do this kind of standpoint nah forget that do what you're gonna do um and you know let's all work together to being you know one people one community um and just coming together because it's wild out here it's really wild out here um and let's let's not focus on that let's focus on how we can dig up each other and go forward as long as it's not detrimental to others um let's love let's love how you want to love you know what i'm saying so um that's that you know we came came off of june pride month all that good stuff like really 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 do what you got to do and and less about that for them it's just you know seeing people to be 
who they are. Like these are two of the most loving people I I know. You know, definitely. You know, my my sister Chad and her new bride. You know, what I'm saying Maria is like yo, like just that union within itself. So whether they were together or not, these would be two of the most solid people. And the fact that they could come together and make a solid union and go on, so on, so on and so forth. Like why not? You know what I'm saying? Why 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 is that in years past such a a thing, a topic of contention, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and we break that down to get to different routes, whether the color of your skin, whether your background, whether who you decide to be today, you know what I'm saying? As long as we can come together and do what we choose to do and uh, in a safe and healthy way, uplifting each other, let's do it and let's keep moving forward. So that's my take. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Spoken words always so motherfucking fire, man. So much <laughs> fire. Nothing really else to say. I agree with everything as well, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the return of Trader XXIV. This is episode 112 of the Caesar Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at the Caesar Show at Sir Caesar's at Trader XXIV. We out. Peace.